The last three weeks now, we've heard a lot about bread. So much so that one might think that Oprah had a hand in the lectionary. That was a joke, but, you know, bread. So three weeks ago was the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. And then last week, Jesus says for the first time, I am the bread of life. And then again today, Jesus says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So we've looked at this from a number of different angles. We looked at the actual miracle that took place when Jesus physically fed 5,000 people. We saw how the people whom he fed later went back to him, hoping for some more food, but later learned some wisdom from him, some deeper truth about God's love and about God's plan for them. And so again today, we hear him saying, I am the bread of life. And unlike the people before who were more receptive to his message, those who, he, who hear him this time begin to complain because of what he is saying. And his, uh, one of the things they say is, you know, we know this kid. He grew up in our town. Isn't this Joseph's son and Mary's son? We re- I remember you when you were just a little kid. How can you say you are the bread that came down from heaven? So they think they've got him in a lie or a trick or something like that. And this sort of credibility in your own hometown is, is, a, is a problem uh, with human nature, I think. It's why uh, when people are ordained, they are almost never sent back to their home parish for this very reason. And so he begins to explain to them, tell them to not complain among themselves. In fact, listen to this. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. He's making some big statements about himself. And not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. He's obviously talking about himself. And interestingly, because, you know, at some points in the, the narrative, the overall narrative, he strictly tells his followers not to say what they saw or strictly tells people to, to, to keep a lid on it. But in cases like this, he makes some very, uh, though not completely overt, he doesn't say, I am God. But he's pretty clear that he's drawing a line between himself and God the Father who sent him. God the Father who sent his only begotten Son so that all that believe in him might not die but have everlasting life. And how is that? That Jesus, it is that Jesus was sent to us to be the bread of life. As he said, whoever eats of this bread will live forever and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So think back to that time of the agony, the crucifixion of Christ. Think back to the story of Maundy Thursday, which is a very important day in the calendar of the church year because so many things are commemorated. So much happens on that night. Now, the name of this, the day, Maundy Thursday, comes from the Latin word mandatum, and that's where we get the word mandate from. 
And we call it that because of the gospel story from that night where Jesus gathers his disciples and says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. By this they will know that you are my disciples. So we get the mandate to love as God loves us. We also see Jesus, the the master, the creator, the one who was with God before all time, the Logos, the word made flesh, remove his outer garment, put a towel around his waist, and wash their feet in service, giving them the example to do the same in the world. It's also the night in which we have the institution of the priesthood, as well as the Holy Eucharist, where Jesus takes bread, breaks, blesses it, and he says to the disciples, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup of wine, which he blesses and shares and tells them, drink all of this, drink ye all of this, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, so that sins may be forgiven. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me, and until I come. And so he knows what is in store. He knows the crucifixion is in store. He knows that he will have to die and be gloriously resurrected, but also will have to leave will physically have to leave the world. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> he will have to leave the world behind. And we commemorate that at the Feast of the Ascension. But what he doesn't do is leave the disciples high and dry. They've got the example of breaking the bread and sharing the wine. <clears throat> and then at the day of Pentecost, God sends his Holy Spirit to be among them, to give them power to give them wisdom and courage. And so it is through this gift of the Holy Spirit that we are able to be in the presence of Jesus each time we gather for worship. As we sang this morning in our opening hymn, this day God's people meeting, his holy scripture here, his living presence greeting, through bread and wine made near. So if anybody asks you what Episcopalians believe about the presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist, the answer is very simple. We absolutely do believe in it. Um, There are medieval stories of uh, Jesus literally appearing on the altar while priests are celebrating Mass. There are misunderstandings around a term called transubstantiation in which uh, people wrongly believe that certain parts of the church believe uh, bread and wine to be turned into literal flesh and blood. What we all believe, though, is that through the words of the priest who has been set aside by the church for one of the reasons why is for this very special ministry, and more importantly, through the action of the Holy Spirit, that our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, becomes present for us in a very humble form, a form of bread and wine, which is why we treat the sacrament with such reverence, which is why we use uh, precious metals for the vessels that contain 
the bread and the wine, which is why the priest wears special garments to set him aside at this point in time. It's not because they're beautiful, although they are. The whole point of the vesture is, of course, so you can recognize who is the priest, but also so that the priest's personality is sort of subsumed into that. Uh, It is sort of covered up by all of that external dress. And so um, you're not looking at, even though I don't change as a person, it's not sort of it's, it's not me who's 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 doing this for you, is I guess what I'm trying to say. Yes, I say the words and the prayers, and yes, I have been ordained and set aside to do those things. But it is God who deigns to act through me, through His Holy Spirit, so that Christ may be present for all of us sacramentally. Of course, we believe Christ to be present in our hearts and in our lives, and to walk with us as a friend and companion and master throughout all of our lives. But what he has given us is this bread which comes down from heaven. Now, our bread actually comes from the Netherlands. I don't know if you know that or not. Um, It's made uh, at a school for the deaf, as it has been for several hundred years. And our wine is pressed in a vineyard somewhere and bottled, and, and we buy it. And so in that regard, it's really unremarkable. It doesn't taste very good. It's dry, uh, sometimes sticks to the roof of your mouth. And so it's just, isn't it unusual how our Lord deigns to come to us in this ordinary, unremarkable form? And so think about that, and then think about the rest of the time in your life as you're not in church, going around and encountering Jesus in other ways and in other people. Think about the fact that if he can come to us in a little disc of uh, stale bread and some wine, some fortified wine, how else can he come to us in ways that we might not recognize him? See, I think a lot of the time we're like the people of his town who say, "Mm, who are you to say uh, you are the bread of heaven? Or who are you to say that you can do this or that? or that you speak with any kind of authority. Let us be like the people who, in the previous story, rode across the lake. Remember, they they wanted to see more and hear more from Jesus. And even though we don't get to see him personally, face to face, on this side of the grave, we do encounter him frequently. I think oftentimes we might not even know it. Not maybe until later. But he comes to us in many different ways, in many humble forms, and in many people, people you wouldn't expect. But today we give thanks for this gift that he has given us, this bread and this wine, this heavenly food that we have, that in eating and through believing, we are given eternal life. In partaking of this substance, we will never be hungry and we will never be thirsty. Now, of course, we are incarnate human bodies and we need food and drink to survive, obviously. What I'm talking about is a spiritual filling. Now, we, sh- we always should be hungry for more. We should always be looking for more and for more learning and for more growth in Christ, 
for our spirit. But through this blessed sacrament, we are given the gift of sustenance and strength to meet the world and to go out and try to find Jesus in that world and where he is to do that which would please him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.